Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of All Ball Chicago. I'm your co-host, Robert Bobby Reed, and I got the legend, the NBA veteran, the McDonald's All-American, your host, Marcus, living in the building. What's up, Marcus? What's up, my beautiful people? <laughs> and we got a special guest in the building today, one of the Hall of Fame journalists from back in the days. He been coming to NBA. He been coming to NFL. He been covering sports for as long as anybody been covering sports. Give it up for Mr. David Aldis, baby. Oh. <laughs> oh, man, I love the energy on this show, man. Thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. It's, oh, man, it's I good to be wait here. to do that, man. I, mean, I couldn't sleep <laughs> last night, Liv. I was practicing that, man. No doubt, man. And, and, and David, man, it's a pleasure to have you on our show, All Bar Chicago. Thank you, and We man. know you Thank represent you. the DMV. You know, yes, sir. Girl in Virginia area. So, uh, but we always start off by saying who put the rock in your hand. But we know you've been in the media for so long. So, who put the pen and pad in your hand? Oh man, man, that's a good question. I mean, there's a lot of different people. Like my high school, one of my high school English teachers was like the first person that said, you know, you write pretty well. You should think about like. You ever thought about like journalism? And I was like, not really. You know, I mean, I thought about it a little bit, but. Um, you know, I really thought, fellas, I was going to be a history teacher. That was what I thought I was going to wow. be. You know, like that's kind of what I liked history and I thought I was good at it. So I thought that's what I was going to be. But yeah, my high school teacher, Mr. Carroll, was one of the first to kind of like put that bug in my head. And then some other people, when I went to college um, in here in, in D.C. at American University, there was a, I had a couple of professors that were like really like pushing me towards it. So that and then I, I started working at the school paper there and I really just liked it. It really just was kind of it flowed. It was natural to me. You know, it felt it felt natural. Like I didn't feel I didn't feel out of place. I didn't feel like it was I was in over my head. I felt like I can do this. You know, like I know I can do this. So that really kind of got me going on that on that path. It's interesting that you say that, David, that that seems like the same thing that happens to most kids in basketball. Right, so exactly. Something good in them and, and tries to steer them in that direction. So you had someone like that, did that to you as well as a journalist. And I see a lot of people believing in themselves, but they also need that little push. Somebody Absolutely. to see something that they may not see to yeah. get them over the hump. You need, you need adults to believe in you. You know what I mean? Like when you're a kid and you like you have confidence, but it's not based on anything. Right. Like you just it's just kind of natural confidence. But when an adult person takes a moment to say, hey, I see something in you. 
you know, there's something in you that that you need to think about. You need to try to nurture and 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 work on and get better at. And that can be a teacher. It can be a coach. You know, if you start playing at a young age, and a coach says, "Man, you got something. You need to. You need to. You know." You need to improve your left hand. You need to do better. You know, you need to know how to hit a curveball, whatever it is. You know, like if somebody believes in you, that kind of gets you going. And that's what happened to me. And I'm sure it's what happened to you. And it's what happened to everybody that, that kind of has some successes at some point, some adult. And it could be a parent, too, believed in them, you know, and that gets you going. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Let's talk a little bit about basketball. Sure. Let's talk about the different eras, you know, and you covered both. You covered the Michael Jordan era. Yeah. Also covered the Kobe Bryant and LeBron James era. Yep. Do you think, because you hear this a lot, Mm -hmm. could Michael Jordan play in this era? (laughs) Vice versa. Could LeBron play in MJ's era? Yeah. Yeah. What's your take on that? I think, Marcus, you know this, great players could play in any era, right? If you're great, that's like saying Ali couldn't box now. Like, what are you talking about? Ali didn't box in any era. <laughs> yeah, he can fight in any era. He's great, you know? So, yeah, LeBron could could have played back in the 80s because he was big and strong. He would have gotten used to the physicality and been able to deal, deal it out. But as I've said to many people over the last couple of years, like, <laughs> Marcus, you know this. Can, can you imagine MJ with no hand check? Are you nuts? What do you tell you know what I mean? Like with no handshake? With no with, uh, they can just come down the lane and isn't gonna get knocked on his ass? Come on, man. What are you talking about? Like the dude will be averaging like 40 a game. You know what I'm saying? So come on. Nice. Like, just, that's yeah, he would be great in this era. He would dominate in this era. And the other thing that people always come back at me was he didn't shoot threes. Well, nobody shot threes back then, really. Right, there was a couple right. guys, a couple cats. You no, know, Dale Ellis shot threes. You know, Dale um, Curry shot threes. But other than that, right. there just weren't many guys that did that regularly, right? Mm-hmm. So and I think, and I think was, that we was taught different, you know. Yeah, of course. We were, sure. We taught, we taught the mid-range game. Exactly. Exactly. You get to your spot and you go, you know, and that's your spot. And that's where you do work. And, you know, so – Whoever it was, like, you know, I covered the bullets. So, Jeff, you remember Jeff Malone. Jeff Malone would come off the screen, rise up from 18. That was his shot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That was his shot. You know, and there were Ricky Pierce. There were so many guys that that lived with that Mm mid-range. So my thing is always, okay, if the three was important back then, you think those guys wouldn't have been shooting threes? Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, so come on. You can't just look at numbers. That's why I kind of get into it with the analytics people, because they just think everything can be reduced to a number sometimes. Mm. And I tell them, you have to tell me what rules we're playing under. If we're playing under 80s rules, it's different than if we're playing under the day's rules. It's just completely different. Right, right. Oh, man. It's interesting you say that, too, man, because we get that a lot with kids, you know, that get so caught up in the analytics of yeah. the game that they forget the talent. You right. know, sometimes they, they talent will get them there. And then they get caught up with, they say, I need to shoot more threes, you know, right. and then they start trying to shoot threes when that's not their game. Not what they do. Right. You know? right. And, I, and I get so upset with that, you know, like LeBron James, I'm going to just take LeBron James, for, for instance. I don't think LeBron James is a great three-point shooter. 
Right. But LeBron James is a hell of a basketball, skilled basketball player. Absolutely. So a lot of people knock him. Well, he he can't shoot. Yeah. yeah. This this guy is what third or second all time league scoring. All time scoring. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so so I get confused with that, man. So yeah. No what, do you, what do you what do you think about this generation, like with all the threes? Because we just we just talked a little bit about it, but yeah. Do you think? Steph Curry, because he makes it look so easy, he he has a lot of people out there watching him, thinking that they can just go out there and do it. Oh sure, and I think I think Mark Jackson has talked about this about how he, he, what he's trying to say is he thinks Steph in some ways has hurt the game because everybody thinks they can do what Steph does, and they can't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they can't. No. But Steph no. is the guy. He's the guy. He's changed the game. You know, just like, just like. Elgin Baylor changed the game, just like Dr. J changed the game, like Michael changed the game, like LeBron and Kobe changed the game. Steph Curry's changed the game of basketball because there's nobody was taking logo shots on the regular until he started doing it. Not at <laughs> and all. Now everybody tries to do it, you know, and so that's changed the game. But he makes his his percentage of makes is so much more high, I think, than than most guys that that shoot regularly from that distance. And maybe, you know, Dame is there out there now. Uh, maybe Trey Young will be, wind up being there. But there's still not too many cats to shoot like 40% on logo shots. <laughs> you know, so Steph has changed the complete the geometry of basketball. Changed it forever. Wow. And who was one of the guys that, because we, we try to be all positive on our show too. Who was one of the guys that you really love to interview? Like you, you couldn't wait to interview this guy. Oh, well, there were, I mean, back in, you know, back in the day, there were a lot of guys because guys, I don't know, it was different back then. The media wasn't viewed as negatively as it is now. And guys, guys understood that, you know, they could help themselves with, with, by having good relationships with the media. So, you know, magic was always great to talk to. Um, Chuck was my favorite because, you know, Chuck would, <laughs> no matter no matter what the situation was with the Sixers, you could go to Philly and Chuck would fill up your notebook with something crazy. <laughs> he would say something crazy. Um, so I love talking to him. He was always available, accessible, um, enjoyed um, talking to him. And, um, again, when I was covering the Bullets, Daryl Walker, who you guys know from Chicago, I'm sure, D-Walk was so – you just respect guys that are always there whether you win or lose. Mm -hmm. It's easy to talk when you win. Everybody's happy when you win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But when you lose, that's when you find out who the real guys are that are still going to talk to you. And Daryl Walker talked to me every night and wow. would tell me the God's honest truth as he saw it. Doesn't mean he was always right, but he would tell me the truth, <laughs> you know, and I was and then you respect people like that. And Jeff Malone was good, too. He was very good, too, on those teams. But D. Walk was always he was always there. He was always honest. You know, he was he never. Um, he never ducked his own responsibility if they had played bad. And you just respect people like that, man. You respect yeah. people like that. But yeah. there were a lot of guys around the league that that just were good stand-up guys. Joe Dumars was another one that you could always talk to no matter what the situation was going on with the Pistons. He was always there. He was always legit, honest. Sally was funny. You know, John was always, always had the jokes and would always say something funny, you know, so – um, but around the league, I mean, there were just so many guys. Nate McMillan was another guy that I just really liked talking to because he was real honest. Um, 
But, you know, you name me a city, I'll tell you two or three guys that were really good guys to talk to on those teams. Oh, wow. Hey, let me hop in here, Liv, real quick. Hey, Dave, since you're on the NBA, I'll follow in your tweets, and um, I know you've been very vocal about these guys with the COVID test and Bradley yeah. and all these guys, man. Yeah. They have a responsibility as professional athletes to do what they need to do. Can you speak to that, uh, what Kyrie is doing and these guys are doing? Well, I just think, here, Robert, I think it's the thing that I'm – that, that bothers me about this is, you know, athletes talk all the time, no matter what sport it is, unless it's golf or tennis or one of them individual sports. But if it's a team sport, the first thing you hear is we have to sacrifice for the good of the team. Like I got to give up, I got to give up shots. I got to give up minutes. I got to give up rotation part, you know, rotation, my place in the rotation. If it helps the team do better. Right. And everybody tries to buy into that. Now, it doesn't always work, but people try, right? They try to, right. to do what, what is necessary for the team to do the best, right? So I don't know how you then fold in, but I'm not going to get this shot, and I'm going to increase my, my risk of getting COVID and not being able to play. Right. How does that fit in with I'm going to do whatever is necessary to help this team win? You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't that doesn't fit to me in that in that kind of discussion. So if you're about winning, this isn't even like what is the sacrifice here? You get a shot in your arm. What is <laughs> what are we talking about? Like, like why would that be something that you would say? No, I can't do that. Why? <laughs> These guys are sacrificing millions for that. Thirty-one million for Andrew Wiggins, man. I don't. Uh, I don't even, I mean, I just don't understand that. Like, like if you're about trying to win, I'm about winning. I just want to win. I just want to win. Okay. Well, this will help you win because this will mean, right. this will give you more chance to be on the floor. Right. And it'll give you less chance of passing COVID along to your teammates, first of all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and, and the thing that, that, that I don't get with Bradley is that Bradley was on a team that got laid out by COVID last year. They had seven guys test positive for COVID. They didn't play for two weeks last season. It wasn't 10 years ago. It was last season, you know? And so if anybody could understand what COVID can do to a team, it should be Brad. Right. And that's what right. I don't get. That's what I don't get about his position. I don't understand it. Yeah. That's a good question, Bob. Good morning, Bob. Did his little homework, okay? No, I'm, I'm following him on Twitter. That's real time. Yeah, no, and you guys know this. I love Brad as a guy. He is a stand-up right. brother in every way. So this isn't about me saying he's not a good dude or he's not a professional. Not it's not it. I'm just saying this is an easy one. <laughs> you know, right. this, is, this is an easy well, one. Him, I don't understand how you convinced me to get the shot. Him and Tracy Dildy. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, real they, like guys, real talk. You know these brothers. Some of these players are putting things into their bodies. They don't have any idea where they ain't no labels on some of these things that got putting in your bodies. Now. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh boy. So 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 Dave. Uh, oh God. All right. You went to uh, Dematha High School. I did, yeah. Imagine yeah. that's a uh, you, when you mentioned DC, you you and talk about high school basketball. You have yeah. to mention Dematha High School. Yeah. When you were there, 
who were some of the, the legends that was walking through those hallways? Well, when I was there, Adrian Branch was a senior when I, when I was a sophomore. So he was two years ahead of me. And, you know, he went on to play at Maryland, play for the Lakers for a minute. So he was the best player on those teams. And then my year, there were guys like, like I, you know, these are guys that just, they, they weren't pros, but Benny Bolton played uh, on a team, went and played at, at NC State. Uh, Quentin Jackson played at NC State. You know, we had guys that we just, they just went, D, we had a lot of D1 guys. Um, when I was a senior, Danny Ferry was a freshman. Okay. So okay. Danny was the next guy, the next one to kind of come up to kind of get to the higher higher levels, right? So Danny was a few years behind me. And um, so, yeah, I mean, we just, you know, it was just, I mean, the the the, the talent was there. The, the you know, the the program was, was so, like, you just expected to win the championship every year. You know, I can't even, you know, it's just like, if we like, if you lost, you were like, "What? How, how did we lose? We don't, you know what I mean?" Like, and they just expected to roll that way, and they did. Every year I was there, we won the city title, and we played against some good teams. We played against Dunbar one year, and Anthony Jones, who wound up playing at Georgetown and UNLV. You know, we had some that we played some good teams. We played well. Spingarn actually beat us. I don't know. Now this is back in the day. Sherman Douglas was on that team, and Earl Jones, who wound up getting drafted number one by the Lakers, was on that team. Um, so Spingarn was the only team in my era that beat us, you know, mm. and they had, I mean, Sherman was great. As you guys know, wanted to play in the NBA for many years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Sherman Douglas. And uh, who was that one guy or players mm -hmm. that you felt culturally changed, changed the game a little bit? You know, they came in rough and they stayed rough, but they still, captivated some of yeah. the, the other the other side you know people oh, I, I mean ai is at the top of the list to me i mean alan's mm -hmm. at the top of that list because alan never changed who he was and made everybody i won't say conform but everybody emulate him like he didn't mm -hmm. try to fit in he, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut my hair. I'm gonna wear a suit. You know, he just did for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> you know, wasn't gonna do that. Alan stayed true to who he was, <laughs> and everybody came to him. You know what I mean? And so, there's no question in my mind that after MJ and Kobe, Alan was the was the most important player of this of these last 25, 30 years because of his of his skill level, of his talent, but also young guys emulated him. Young guys started wearing, they started wearing braids. They started, wearing, they started getting inked up. That's all because of Allen. You know, I mean, that's Allen. Right. Yeah. He did yeah. all of that. Um, and, and, and was an MVP and got, a got his team to the finals. So he won on the court as well, was successful on the court. So yeah, there's no question to me, culturally, Allen had a huge impact on these last 20 years of, of guys in the league. Wow, oh, it's interesting you say that again, man. Because look, I want you, I want you to check this out. Check this out. First of all, I want to thank you. You gave me respect, man. I always appreciated that. Give respect, you get it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I always, Alan and I always had a good relationship, you know. And I didn't always agree. And obviously, Alan made mistakes. We all know what some of them are. And sometimes you had to. But just like with Bradley, sometimes you disagree with what a guy does. You have to say it. You have to write it to be true to yourself and what you do for a living. But he never took it personally. He understood. You know, so we always had a good relationship, always. Um, whether I was at 
ESPN when we started, and I did a story on him like a month into his pro career, you know, like for ESPN. And I would, we would go up there, you know, once or twice a year because he was a big, big star, you know, immediately. And then when I went to Turner, it was the same thing. Like we always, and we come from different places. You know what I'm saying? Like I mm -hmm. you know, come up, we have different, we have different backgrounds. We have different influences on our lives but I respected him and he respected me. And I always appreciated that. Yeah, David, he was uh, definitely one of my favorite players to watch, you know, when he was, when he was playing in the NBA and at Georgetown. Yeah, no question. And I give John, John gets, should get all the credit for that. You know, mm -hmm. when John, when Alan, when AI says John saved his life, he's not kidding. <laughs> like that's not no, hyperbole. No. Like John no. saved his life. <laughs> like you would not have survived if John hadn't intervened, you know, so. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you saw him coming through the high school. Oh, sure, sure, sure. We all knew who, we all knew who Allen was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that area, Tidewater down in, you know, Newport News area, a lot of guys came from there. You know, Alonzo came from, there's a lot of guys that came from Newport News area. So we always were aware, even, you know, it, it, it's not, like, that's not really the DMV, but we knew, we always kept an eye on who was coming up out of that part of Virginia, Southern Southeast Virginia. Okay. And he was the guy, you know, like everybody knew who AI was like, he was going to be a big star. And you guys know, I'm sure he was a better football player. than He was a bas basketball player. That's what I heard. Like, what like I heard. dude was like a ridiculous quarterback, <laughs> you know, oh. you know what I mean? He would have been like, like a, like a read option guy. Like you see now he was doing that mm -hmm. 30 years ago, you know, like, wow. Yeah, he would have been an insanely good football player if he had stuck with that. Uh, we got a question right here, uh, Dave. I want to show it to you. And, sure. Uh, can you read that, Bob? Yep, yep. Uh, Freddie Moore, Mr. Alders, as the father of a female player, what are your feelings, outlook on the future of the WNBA? Heavy foreign influx of players are staying more domestic-driven. I think, you know, honestly, it's a good question, Freddie. I think, honestly, um, because of the finances of the WNBA right now, I can't see them really spending a lot of money to bring foreign players over. Like the NBA will, you know, NBA teams can, they can spend a million dollars to get a guy out of his contract to get him over here. Whatever the buyout is on a guy like that, of that caliber. I don't know that WNBA teams are going to do that. So my guess, and it's just a guess, because I'm no expert on the, on the WNBA, but my guess is that they will continue to be more kind of domestic in terms of the college, use the college draft and, and to, to to bring in the vast majority of their players, just because whatever the number is to buy out a star player who's playing abroad, dude, I mean, they, I just read this yesterday, you know, they're still flying commercials. So they got to take three flights. You know what I mean? Like, and then the semifinals. <laughs> and you got to take three flights to get to the next city. That's crazy. Like, that crazy. I can't That's believe insane. that. That's crazy. Hey, I Dave, I want to ask him something, Lib. I thought the NBA was bought back in them, though. No, well, they are, wow. but on things like this, like I remember when the Mystics were in the, you know, when they won in 2019, we were, um, there was, uh, they were playing Las Vegas, and, and literally the league, the WNBA had to kind of um, buy a private jet for the aces to go straight from Vegas to either connect, Oh, to Connecticut or to DC, which I can't remember which city it was 
And it was like a big story because they never do that. You know, they had never done that before. And so they were able to actually just fly like normal, you know, like NBA teams have done for 20 years. Right. You get, on, you get on the plane, you go to the next city. Right. So and um, yeah, it's crazy that they still have to do that. Um, but no, the NBA is it's funny. Like they talk about subsidizing it, but they don't really subsidize it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not dribbling right enough money. Yeah. Yeah. They're I mean, okay. but but you spend money to make money, right? So oh, right. if you if you put money into the product so that's a better product, you would make more money. You know what I'm saying? These these players, they tired. <laughs> you know, like take hey, let me ask you something, David, real quick, man. Yeah. You've been around sports uh, for, uh, like a dinosaur. You ever yeah. think, did you ever think you lived to see the day when these kids are getting paid for their likeness? No, no, because I never thought the I never thought the NCAA would be um would be forced by the courts, basically by the Supreme Court, to do it. You know, I thought they would keep that <laughs> monopoly going forever. <laughs> but you know, Ed, o, Ed O'Bannon started that process many years ago. And the, the the fruits of his labor are finally paying off, and I'm happy for these kids. You know, they should get a little, well, they should get paid, per, you know, frankly. But since that's not going to happen, at least let them make a little on the side, which is what this deal is basically. Um, so if they can make some on the side, I'm I'm all for that. You know, these these guys and these young ladies that have. You know, it's basically free labor. You know, I mean, this it's ridiculous that somebody that plays at North Carolina or Duke or Illinois or any of the top schools in the country can't get paid for that when they generate so much money. I don't even remember, know what the what the uh, current TV contract is for the, for the tournament, but it's in the billions of dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like billions <laughs> that they're getting. Billions, you know, multiple billions and those kids should get should get a taste of that. Wow. Yeah, I agree. I agree. David, what um, you in the, the field of being a reporter at these yeah. games? Have you ever like caught yourself watching it more so than when you're supposed to be writing and taking notes down? Did you oh, jump out of your seat and say, "I can't believe that"? Just all the time. All, all the time, Mark. <laughs> all the time. All the time. In fact, I remember one time when the um, the Rockets were playing Dallas in the playoffs and McGrady dunked on, I think he dunked, I can't remember if it was, I can't remember who it was for Dallas, but McGrady dunked on somebody so hard that was I Sean screamed. Bradley? Was it Sean Bradley? It was Sean Bradley. That's who it was. That's exactly yeah. who it was. So he dunked on Sean Bradley so hard that I screamed in my seat. <laughs> my producer was like, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, you know, like, <laughs> oh, that was all the time, all the time. Like, I, you know, yeah, because the, what guys could do athletically, that's why I, I, I'm, I love doing what I did for so long because you still could get excited. I could still get excited watching somebody do something I hadn't seen before. You know, so it happened all the time, all the time. Or, you know, whether it was some a great kind of individual athletic thing or watching a team play. Like I remember, when, you know, in 14, when the Spurs beat Miami, that was it was just beautiful. Like that, that they just played, it played beautifully. You just enjoy. I enjoyed watching that. I'm watching the ball move, bop, 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 bop to the next guy and everybody, you know, and 
they were all making shots and Ginobili dunking on people. And that was just like, man, that was that was that was sensational. But then you can always appreciate kind of the individual, you know, brilliance of a Kobe or, you know, some of the other greats that 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 play over the years watching guys work. It was just phenomenal, you know. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I never I never root for teams because it's I mean, and people don't believe me. And it's not because it's just because it doesn't matter. Like, it, right. It doesn't matter. I still have to work. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no matter which team wins, I still have to work. So, so it doesn't matter. But I could appreciate I can appreciate Dame. Dame is my favorite player in the league right now. Oh, I love watching oh. Dame. Play. I love watching Dame play. He's just phenomenal. Um, I like him too. I like. I like. Yeah. Him. So to be able to appreciate a guy like that that can that can you know just be so dominant at his size, um, you know. But I, I always got a soft spot for the big guys too because I think the big guys get overlooked in this era, especially um, because I you know Wes Unsell was the coach for the Bullets when I covered, and I would talk to Wes a lot about you know, him playing in back in the day against Willis Reed and Nate Thurman and, and Bill Russell and Chamberlain and all those guys. And those guys built the league. You know what I mean? So I want them to always be they should always be honored. And yeah. sometimes I worry mm -hmm. that with the game going so small and going to be little bit. I think he's, his uh, screen is frozen right quick. Yeah. Like he was saying, he he loved the, he, he loved the fact that the big man, you know. I, I think David Aldridge is just like, man, he's, a, he's just MVP. He's just MVP, Liv. Yeah, you no. He, no, he's uh, definitely in my book, man, uh, one of the great ones. And, and we didn't get a chance, but we will ask him when he come back on about uh, we didn't we – didn't, like somebody put it on the timeline. I don't know if you saw it, Bob, but like a trade wasn't really solidified until we heard David Aldridge say it's uh <laughs> it, he such such has been traded. You know, right, we right. It, we heard it out of his mouth. You know, right, so you're right. It's uh now they got Wolves doing it, huh? Yeah, yeah. So so hopefully, you know, he'll come back and join us if if he if he if he can, but we had him for a while, so it was it was good to have him, you know, come on, on the show. Well, you know, actually, man, uh, I want somebody to come over here and pinch me because uh, I've been watching this dude on TV forever. Right. And I'm right. sitting up here. I get to do an intro for this man. You feel me? Like, right. can't nobody right. take that away from me. No. <laughs> no, man. I mean, you... We, it's just, it's Friday, man, and, and I, I'm definitely excited that we had him to come on and talk about basketball. I wanted to touch a little bit about. He'll be back. He'll be back. Chicago too. I want him to, I want him to touch on some of the uh, Chicago uh, guys that he he covered throughout the you know the NBA. Yep, here he comes now. Um, so we want to talk. We want to talk a little bit about that. So here he is. Sorry about that, fellas. I don't know what happened. That's all right. That's all right. It, it happens, man. To the to the best of us, man. That, <laughs> Bob, you know, we kept it going. We kept it going. So, oh yeah. Uh, but let's let's go ahead and jump on uh, right into Chicago, man. Like, yeah. I know you watched the Last Dance. 
that been on, but we didn't get an opportunity to talk about it. You know, yeah. someone like yourself, you know, who yep. actually went through that that era and saw. Yeah. Uh, what mm. do you think about the way Mike, you know, Mike uh, was talking about the players? You mean his his teammates? Yeah, his teammates. I mean, that was Mike, right? <laughs> that was, I mean, what I've, I mean, whatever you think about that, I would say it's not the easiest. It's it's not easy to play with Mike. I would, I, I, there's no question. It wasn't easy to play with Mike, right? It wasn't. It was hard. He made it hard. Um, but that was him. Like that was who he was. He was a little, maybe a little crazier than than Magic and Bird and Isaiah, but they all kind of did the same thing. You know what I mean? They were all kind of the same guy. You know, he may have taken it to the extreme, but they were all hard on their teammates, all of them. You know, so um, so that didn't surprise me. I was actually glad that people got to see what it was really like, you know. Um just like when he did his Hall of Fame speech and everybody got mad. And I'm like, what are you mad about? That's him. <laughs> That's the guy. That's the guy. That's why he won six. Because he's insane. <laughs> he's a crazy person. You know? So that's, that's why he was as great as he was. Because he was so just ridiculously competitive to the point of being making everybody uncomfortable around him. Everybody. You know? And so... You know, and that's not for everybody. I understand that that's not for everybody. Um, but the guys that stayed, and you know, they've all talked about it that he made them tougher. He made yeah. them mm-hmm. made them meaner. You know, and they were able to to get through Detroit, which would which had, you know, owned them basically. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. up until that last that ninety one season, they couldn't get past Detroit. Yeah. You know, and I remember I covered all of those series with Detroit and Chicago, and. I remember Lambeer just laying out Scottie Pippen the year before. Like, just in the first minute of the game, just came up and cracked him with an elbow and knocked him out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's what they did. <laughs> like, and you got to be able to stand up to that. Until you do, you're not going to beat him. And they finally got mentally tough enough to stand up to that. And so... It's, it's like I said, it's not for everybody, but I think Michael was, you know, the best I ever saw. I mean, he's the best yeah. I ever saw. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Kobe, and I think Kobe took a little of that, you know, the pace. Took some of it. I, I've yeah. always said Kobe was the closest thing to Michael, mm. but he wasn't Michael. Right. <laughs> 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 he did definitely take a page of it. Yeah, That's no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, well, well, we on the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Scottie Pippen recently come out with comments that uh, Phil Jackson's a racist. What the heck is he talking about, man? Yeah, I'm not sure. Look, do I mean look? Phil, Phil likes to talk about posses and things like that all the time, which are kind of stupid things to say. Um, do I think Phil's a racist? No. I mean, I don't know. I would say, <laughs> I would say he's he may be insensitive to some things in the way he talks, especially about the modern players today. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, you like for like with LeBron. Like to me, I think LeBron is one of the 
most incredible success stories of all time. You know what I mean? Like, right. like you know what I'm saying? Like this dude, like, and it's this none of his guys getting any trouble. You know what I mean? Like, you never heard hear about any of his any of his crew getting into any kind of trouble. You know what I mean? Right. So they all right, they all fly right. They all do the right things. They tried, you know, they built up a business on their own. Mavericks built a business. Rich Paul has become a big time agent. You know, now it all flows from LeBron. We all understand that, but but they were able to take that and make something for themselves out of that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so right. I think they sh he should be commended. They should be commended, you know? Mm -hmm. So for Phil to dismiss them as his posse, it just kind of sounds, it just sounds stupid. You know what yeah, I mean? Like right, it's not, right. they're not just sitting at his apartment eating his food. You know what I mean? Like, you know, <laughs> doing something with the opportunity they had. I used to always say this about Gary Payton. Gary had guys that Gary helped financially. Those guys built businesses. Those guys were became contributing members of their communities. And so that's that's a good thing. That's a great thing, as a matter of fact, right. that right. they used, they were able to take what he gave them and make something for themselves. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think it's tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's talk about last year a little bit, the NBA. Yeah. Before the season started last year, we know we went through the COVID, you know, protocol and all that. And then they ended up having a season this past yeah. season. Did you think when you saw it, the beginning of the season's kickoff that Milwaukee be, will be the team cutting down the nets and getting the championship? Nope. Nope. Did not. Did not. Who was that I team? Thought I thought it would be Brooklyn. I thought Brooklyn was going to be too, too much to overcome. You know, just too much. There's just too much firepower there. You know what I mean? Like this, like you can't, there's no way you can stop them all. You probably can't stop two thirds of them. You know what I mean? So like, even if you threw all your resources at trying to stop KD, Kyrie would kill you. Harden would kill you and vice versa. Right. So you just couldn't stop them all. You just can't, you can't double team everybody. Right. You know what I mean? So, right. um, so I thought they would be, and I still believe if they hadn't gotten the injuries, they would have been in the finals, mm -hmm. you know, um, but they did. And you can't, I'm not dismissing I'm, Milwaukee gets all the credit. They played who was it. They played who was on the schedule. You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. all you can do. <laughs> they right. played a team that was on the schedule and they beat everybody. So they get props for winning the championship. But I, you know, I thought last year Brooklyn was the team to beat. I think going into this year, Brooklyn's the team to beat just because they've got so much. Did you think they're going to beat the Lakers? Yes, if they get I there. I said yeah. that too. I yeah, think they'll beat the Lakers. I ain't got Braun this year, man. I'll tell you why. Because I don't like. I think the Lakers could definitely get to the finals. Because I think those. I think old guys know how to play. Well, old guys is just about staying healthy. If they can right. stay healthy, they will do well in the playoffs because they know how to play. But the problem is staying healthy and getting through those mm -hmm. eighty games. Um, but if they got to the finals, like I, if you just line them up. Again, it's the same problem everybody else does. How do the Lakers stop all of that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how do they stop <laughs> all those guys? You can't, you can't guard KD. You just right. can't. You, there's nothing you can do but hope he misses. <laughs> he's unguardable. <laughs> like, if he's going to get to his spot, he's seven feet tall. You're not blocking his shot. You know what I'm saying? So, so I, don't, I don't know how you stop him. You know, so we'll see, though. I could be wrong. A couple of our, a couple of our listeners, they, they are writing on our timeline. No way the Lakers will beat Brooklyn in six. 
in six games. AD will be the MVP this season. He said, yeah, we tripping. Uh, I, would, I would respectfully disagree with it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the Lakers are nice. They got a nice guy. No, they're good. I think yeah. Russell will help them, actually, because yeah. Russ plays hard all the time. Yeah. One thing you can bet is that Russ going to bring it every night. And it's a lot, it's a lot that of will help LeBron, I think, get through the season. Yeah, it's a lot of people, David, that they always want to throw this out there. You know, Michael mm -hmm. Jordan is better than LeBron. LeBron is better than, you know, MJ. You know, it's so many. Mm -hmm. I, I just say, and, I, and you probably agree with this. That was basically, we, that's, all, that's what we saw. Uh, yep. dominate. Mike wants to take that last shot, you know, and then vice versa. People will talk about LeBron and say, well, he won't take that last shot. He'll make mm -hmm. the, the, that correct pass to the guy right. wide open in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think about that? Like when people start talking about the GOAT, you know, the GOAT in our Yeah. Life. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's nuanced and people don't like to talk about nuance and subtlety these days, mm -hmm. but you can't, it's not a cut and dry thing. Number one, again, the rules are completely different <laughs> than they were 30 years ago. <laughs> so you can't compare unless you tell me we're all going to play by the same amount of rules, the same kind of rules, then I can guess who I think might be best. But again, are we playing 80s rules? Are we playing today's rules? Are we playing 60s rules? You know what I mean? Like, so, like I didn't see Wilt play. All I can do is look at the numbers in the book, which are just insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. like, if it was easy to do, somebody else would average 50 a game. But right. they didn't. He did. <laughs> so he must have been much greater than everybody else that ever played in that era, right? right. So to me, it's impossible to compare because the games are so different now. Um, and you're right. LeBron's a pass-first guy. Mike's a shoot-first guy. They're different. You know, right. so it's not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. If you're asking me the question – my answer has been, again, Michael Jordan's the best I ever saw, and it's not particularly close to me. <laughs> to me. Right. So it's Michael, not close? I don't think it's close. Mm -mm. Not to me. Not to me. Michael is, again, I didn't see Wilt play. <laughs> I didn't see Bill Russell play. I can only go by what people who did see them tell me. Um, but among the players I've seen, he's the best I've ever seen. You know, LeBron is in the discussion. We can have a discussion about it. I can tell you why I think Michael's better than LeBron, um, even though it's, a, again, a, a kind of silly comparison because, again, they're completely different players. But um, but I think Michael's better than LeBron. I think Michael's better than Kobe. He's just better I, to me. I, I think, And, it, and it's, it's not just the physical gifts, which are substantial, the mental toughness that he had. It was just, I've never seen anybody like that had the will he had. Nobody, nobody I've ever seen had the will that he had. Um, it's just, it's I just can't even describe it. You just had to kind of see it. You saw it. I mean, you saw, you know, how, and I, and, it, and again, it's not about stats because I tell people all the time, I saw lots of games where Michael was 9 to 22 from the floor. Lots of them, lots of them, you know, but he still impacted those games more than anybody I've ever seen has impacted games night in and night out.
And I think also, David, that we had Randy Brown on our show. And Randy Brown was talking about, man, our practices with Mike was harder than the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like Mike brought it. You know, he 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 had a standard that he demanded everybody uphold. And when they didn't, as you saw, as you saw with in the last dance with uh, my man uh, Burrell, poor Burrell, you know, like he killed him. He killed him. <laughs> you know, and he drove out. Look, you guys know Dennis Hobson. Was a great college player. Yeah, <laughs> <in the> draft, <laughs> you know, yeah. and he got to Chicago, and Mike killed him. He just ran him out of town. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's what Horace Grant said. Horace Grant said he ride you out the league. I didn't exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, and it was, and it was different back then because it wasn't as much social media. Because you know, Mike would have, if there had been social media back then, Mike would have gotten dinged up a little bit. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <You know? Right. laughs> but it, but there wasn't, so he didn't have to worry about it. Oh, right. Boy. So did you do you think if Mike wouldn't have retired, how many championships you would think he would have had? Well, I agree with Steve Kerr has said this, and I agree with him. I think I don't think there's any way they would. I think they were done after the first one, and they were certainly done after the second three P. I don't think they had anything left. You know, I think Mike would have. I don't know if he would have. I mean, I just don't think they would have won four in a row at any point. I just think it's too hard. It's too hard. Right. You know, the the they beat everybody, but it wasn't like they blew everybody out. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they they beat Utah, but it was a hard six. It wasn't easy. You know what I mean? Right. So if they had come back, you know, with no breaks, essentially playing, I mean, I added up one time. They wound up playing like two extra seasons just with the playoff games. You know, the equivalent two, of two extra ooh. seasons. Yeah, just with the playoff games. And that catches up with you after a while. I don't care who you are. Just physically, you break down, you get hurt, you know. And so I think they would have physically, they would have had some some breakdowns, whether it was Michael or Scotty or, you know, one of the key guys I think would have broken down. So that's why I think the, the break actually helped them a lot. Yeah. Who was, uh, who you think should be mentioned as a, a role model? you know, for for our young generation now. I mean, I would think LeBron James would be I, I, Yeah, of course. Yeah, I would definitely say LeBron. I mean, again, LeBron has, when you look at everything, like LeBron's one of, one of the few guys that's actually lived up to the hype, right? <laughs> like he came out, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 16 and all that. I remember this like it was yesterday. So I was, you know, we do draft previews and stuff like that. So this would have been like 2000. 2000 or 2001, right? And I don't think he would mind me telling this story. So I was talking to Joe Dumars, who was in Detroit at the time. He's the GM. And, you know, I was asking him about some draft prospect, some guy that was going to be at the top of the draft or high, high in the 2000 or 2001 draft. And I remember him saying, David, none of this matters. The best player in the world is a 15-year-old kid in Akron, Ohio. Wow. And I said, what? <laughs> like, what? What do you mean? And he said, the best player in the world is a high is a sophomore at this high school in Akron, Ohio. What? And I, said, and I literally said, who are you talking about? He said, LeBron James better than anybody in the league right now. And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And he told me about it. And that's the first time I heard LeBron. It's the first time Joe Dumars told me, you know? And wow. so, yeah. And so, um, yeah, he's lived up to all of it, all of it. He really has on and, and off. And went a, and went further with it. 
Absolutely. With his off-court antics, man, yes. the things that he's yeah. been able to accomplish. And I think Absolutely. that's where people get mad, uh, Dave, when, like, Bron had been to the title title game 10 times in a row, what, he won four or five of them. Right, and then, right. And then that's where the comparison with Michael falls off with people. Right, but He's I a get much it. greater person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my thing is, again, this isn't tennis or golf. You don't do this by yourself, okay? <laughs> like, you know. Right, you right. Know, you have to have the right teammates, right year. Guys got to be healthy, whatever, you know, and you're playing somebody else that's good too, right? So – you're not, you don't just, they don't give you the championship because you're in the finals. You got to go get it, you know? Yeah. So right. he got the ones that he could get, you know? So, right. um, you know, like, so, but the fact that, like you mentioned, 10 years in a row, come on, like, that's, a, that's absurd. <laughs> that's crazy. Like, who does, nobody's done that since Bill Russell. It's Bill Russell. Right. Michael didn't even do that. It's Bill Russell and LeBron. Those are the only two guys that have done that. Right. So you have to give him his respect just to get to 10 finals in a row. Right. And so and then you add building the businesses off the court, building the, the media empire off the court, you know, and to me, like the fact that. Look, we all have opinions about politics and the foreign president who I'm not going to mention by name. But LeBron's the guy to hit send on that tweet. OK, <laughs> LeBron's the guy to call him bump to the whole world. And. That tells me, you know, like, and you notice he ain't come back at LeBron like he comes back at everybody else because he knew he couldn't win that one. LeBron's going to beat him on that one. So I would have big respect for LeBron for just doing it, for having the, 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 not courage, that's not the word, but just understanding that his, that what he says has some value and, and has some meaning to people and would help a lot of people that didn't have his voice stand up and speak out. That was a big thing to me. Big. Before we let you go, David, I want to ask a question about, or I want I want you to add, answer this question. Um, Derek Rose, if yeah. he wouldn't have gotten hurt, where do you think he stacks among some of the greats? He was great. He would have been as great as, you know, he would have been among the best point guards ever. I don't think there's any question about it. Like, like D. Rose in 2010, man, he was something. Yeah. I actually covered a game when they were down in Orlando. We did a game for, for TNT. They played him down there. And I'm, he got hurt in that game because he went up and he banged on somebody at the rim. And I was like, young fella, you can't keep jumping like that, man. You're going to get hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, you just can't keep going at And he was in that year, you know, his first two years in the league, he was banging on everybody, right? So, mm -hmm. and, you know, the irony is that he got hurt and it wasn't, it was just kind of a nothing play, you know, like it didn't, like, it, it wasn't like him trying to elevate or something like that. But yeah, God, if he hadn't gotten hurt, oh my God. You know, he yeah. was he was great. Great, right. great. Like, you know, all time great. The series they had with Boston, the playoff series in what was that, 2009? We did that series. It was one of the greatest series I've ever I've ever covered. Mm. You know, and he was like, I was like, this this kid is unbelievable. <laughs> like, you know, like you know, it's a combination of speed, quickness, you know. Fearlessness, passing, all of it. He was he was unbelievable. Wow. wow. That's our guy, man. The D Rose, man. We love us some D Rose. Yeah, no, no, no. And you know what? I love that year he won the MVP because we did the we we did a sit down with him and his mother. And that was just one of the night that was one of the most I enjoyed that as much as any interview I've done because you just knew how special it was to them as a family that he had been able to kind of rise up and get to where he got. 
and he's a Chicago kid. I mean, come on, man. You can't do better than this. This is, right. this is right. as good as it gets, right? You know what I mean? So, like, I just love talking to him. And over the years, you know, I've, I've talked to him in different, you know, his different stops along the way. And the proof to your question is that he's still a contributing good. good player. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he still helps teams win games, lots of them, because he's good, because he's a hell of a basketball player, you know? It's just that physically he can't do quite what he used to do, but he can still hoop now. So, you know, so he's, yeah, he was one of the best. He would have certainly been among the best point guards of all time if he hadn't gotten hurt to me. All right. So tell, tell some of our listeners what you're up to now so they can find you or, or, or follow you or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm running I'm running the D.C. Bureau of the Athletic, um, which is a subscriber website. If you haven't heard of it, it's, a, it's basically a subscriber-based website. We don't take any ads, so there's no pop-up ads. There's none of that stuff that people get sick of. You pay your $5.95 a month, you get everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if you're if you live in Chicago and you love the Chicago teams, you pay your $5.95, you'll get Bulls, you'll get you'll get Bears, you'll get Cubs, you'll get Blackhawks, you get White Sox, you get everything. You get DePaul, you get all of it, all of it, all of it. Wow. We have people covering everything in whether it's Chicago or Philly or DC or LA. We cover all the pro teams, we cover most of the college teams, cover the WNBA. So you can take whatever you want out of that. You can do whatever if you just want to follow. University of Texas football. Okay. <laughs> we got somebody who covers that. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's our that's our model. And I run the DC Bureau because I'm I'm a DC guy and I wanted to get back home. Cause I got we got two sons. My, my sons are 17 and 14. And I need to be in front of them. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. just that time. Yeah. It was that time. <laughs> It was that time in their lives and in my life that I had to be in front of the front of them and, and talk to them about some things, you know, and yeah. still trying to hope they're listening. That's, that's the perfect time, though, around that age. But before yeah. you go, David, I got to show you something, man. Sure. OK, so I created the world's first social distance device. It's called the culture, man. It's a wireless headset. There you go. And it's a go. voice amplifier capable of amplifying the voice 500 square feet. So you can charge it up yourself for the last 14 to 16 hours. So people are using it all over the place, man. So keep an eye on that. And then okay. there's one last thing I want to throw something out to you before we get sure. out of here, Liv. Right. Uh, me and Liv talk about sports a lot, about like when guys walk away from the game and them trying to find themselves, you know, because they can't find themselves. Yeah. What can we do to address that before we get up out of here? Because we've been well, doing a lot of that. Yeah, it, man, it's a it's a tough question, Rob. It's not easy. If it, you know, if it was easy, we, we would have figured out some way to do it. And I can't speak to it because I wasn't a pro athlete. Okay. Okay. But, okay. But people that were all kind of tell me the same thing. It's like you died, but you're still alive. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, and I and I can only. I can only empathize with that. I can't tell you, oh, yeah, I know what that's like, because I, I don't know what it's like. But but when you are at the highest level of whatever it is that you do for a living and it stops, mm -hmm. it, it that messes with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like we try not to identify ourselves by what we do, but we all do it, right? We all fall into that. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a baller. I'm a writer. I'm a rapper, I'm a lawyer, I'm whatever it is. And if that's taken away from you for whatever reason, 
it's hard to kind of figure out well, who who am I now? You know what I mean? And it's hard. It's hard. And I don't think it's so much about being famous or any of that. I'm sure some guys get off on that, but I think most of the guys, it's not about that. It's about this thing that I've loved doing since I was a kid, I can't do anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And it's hard to kind of pivot off of that to what do I do now? Because yeah. whatever it is that I do, I'm probably not going to be as good as at that as I was at this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like I can make a living at it, but I'm, I'm not great at it. You know, and that's hard to get. It's hard to deal with. I can, again, I can't tell you I know what that feels like, but I can, I have an idea. I have a suspicion right. that that will be very hard to deal with. And on top of that is the financial change in your life. If you've been living in a certain lifestyle and now that income's not coming in, that's another thing, another challenge, you know? So these things are not easy to deal with. I do think that the NBA has done a good, a better job. I'll say this, the union, I think is doing a much better job the last few years of kind of trying to get guys to understand that when their careers end, that doesn't mean they do, you know, that they have value and they have to find other things, other avenues where they can kind of, whether they want to compete or not, or whether they want to make money, they can do some of those things in different areas. Um, but, but again, it's a mental health thing too. I mean, it's just, it's just really hard to make that adjustment to being, and you guys will know this because I think I'm older than both of you, but I may not be, but I think I am. <laughs> As you get older, this starts to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? This starts to happen. And you have to kind of like, it's, it, you gotta, it's hard to deal with. Like you're used to a certain living, a living in a certain reality of yours. And then that reality changes for whatever reason. And it gets hard to, it's hard to deal with it. It's hard to deal with change of that magnitude. So, you know, but for, for ballers, especially, it's really, really difficult, I think. And, and it's not, it's not easy. And I would never, I would never, you know, pretend like I know what it's like or that it, oh, come on, just buck up. No, no, no. This is something that takes a minute to get past, to find something else that you're passionate about that gets you going and it's hard. Yes, 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 I agree, man. David, man, we, we appreciate you coming on our show today. Uh, it was a great one. Uh, we, we always try to, to get some good people, reputable and knowledgeable to share some information with our listeners. But we wanna know before you go, what podcast, yes, what's the number one podcast, baby? <laughs> <laughs> you mean besides Hoops Adjacent? <laughs> <laughs> my podcast besides that one okay so if I was, let's say hoops and jason is the number two podcast okay. <laughs> the number one podcast that i've heard of is this all ball chicago podcast that's, my what, man. I've that's what i've heard my man my wow. i appreciate we appreciate that man and um Anytime, man, you want to come back on. And Absolutely, guys. Them. You know, anytime. I'll be happy to talk to you about, you know, we can get, once the season gets started, we can talk about the Bulls and how they're doing. I think they're going to be, I think they might be pretty good. I think they could be pretty good. I, I, I like, the, I like the moves they made this summer. Yeah, I say the same thing. So, man, we appreciate you. And uh, best wishes, and man, and stay safe. Okay, you too. Thanks, hey, fellas. Out to the building, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Be good right. now. All right, big guy. All right. 
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.